Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. It has been a huge week in Nebraska football. We are here to dive into all of it, as well as talk a little bit of Nebraska basketball and volleyball as the NCAA tournament is set to get started here. My name is Joseph Meyer. I'm here with my co-host, Gavin Struve. Gavin, it has been a massive week for Nebraska athletics. How are you doing? How has the last been week watching these sports? Yeah, it's been pretty hectic, pretty exciting, eventful. Um, but yeah, I'm optimistic because Joseph, it seems like you might have a relevant football team to cover in the next couple of years and yeah. for the right reasons. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, Gavin, Gavin's on his way out. Sadly, didn't really get to see that, uh, bowl, no bowl game, no, no winning seasons in his four years Nothing here. That's close. Uh, pretty sad. Hey, there's a spring game. You still got that going for you um, up here in the spring, but I still got two years left. So maybe with rule in here, maybe we'll get a winning season. Maybe I'll get to see a bowl game. Who knows? Or it might be a whole nother disaster. Um, but this fr- last Friday certainly was not a disaster. Uh, Nebraska marches into Iowa City and Walks out with the win for the first time in seven attempts since 2014. Um, it was electric environment. Me and Gavin both got to go. Gavin, how was that trip for you? I know it was great for me. Uh, it was a lot of fun. How did you enjoy it? Yeah, pretty sweet. I mean, we. I, I was kind of surprised by how smoothly it went. Um, yeah. Did it all in a day from about, <laughs> what, like 8 to 11 or 8 to 1 or something yeah. like that? I think it was later than 1. I think we got back around 2, 2.30-ish. So. Yeah, yeah. Business trip. As it Business is, trip. So. Had, to, had to get it done. Yeah, um, it went well. It was our first opportunity to go on a little road trip mm-hmm. this um, semester this year. So, yeah, and it was a lot better football game than I expected as yeah. well. Um, any takeaways from that? Yeah, we, we were joking about how, you know, that had it been a loss, that drive, that four-and-a-half-hour drive back to Lincoln in the mor- in the late early hours of the morning, late hours of night would have been – a little bit less uh, enjoyable, but uh, they did walk out with the win, and it was an incredible game. I mean, I was really surprised the way that Nebraska jumped out on Iowa. They kind of, you know, put their hand right on their necks right away. They didn't let them get, you know, Iowa has a tendency to jump out to a lead and hold that lead. Nebraska did not let them ever take a lead, uh, and that was ultimately the difference in the game. What was your biggest takeaway from uh, Nebraska's uh, 4-8 and eight season and a win over Iowa? I guess, like, the biggest takeaway from – that and kind of how it reflected the season is Nebraska did find a way to, um, you know, break that trend of losing those one-score games, break that cruel spell. Um, I think they went two and five this season in those games, so mm-hmm. it's not like they totally flipped the margins. Nope. But has to give Nebraska fans some hope that they can win games like that, um, especially when it comes against you know a rival like Iowa. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, Nebraska almost melted down, but you also <laughs> got to give them credit for. Building up that lead in the road on the road in the first place, and then the defense also had to do its part to hold the win. It's not like Iowa completely fell apart on itself, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it is Iowa's offense, so you gotta you gotta take that in consideration. But still, holding a team pretty much to nothing in the first half, and you know, coming out clutch when they needed to. They got that stop after um, the fumble deep in Nebraska territory, and they stopped them on two lap, two late drives that they possibly could have tied the game. So the defense stepped up when needed to. The offense had built a solid enough lead early in the game. I love what Thompson said after he's, you know, he's only been here one year, but he said, "Hey, I think we're starting to kind of change this where Nebraska loses all these close games." And he's right. I mean, the North, uh, not Northwestern, that. 
that didn't work out well for Nebraska. Um, the Rutgers win was a close one where they had to come back from behind. Indiana was close until later in the game, um, and they really had to push through there. That could have easily been a loss during the Frost era. And then this Iowa game, we were talking about it. During the Frost era, that might be a choke. We saw that last year where Iowa, you know, was down multiple scores, came back and went it, and, you know, Iowa walks out of Lincoln with the win. That was not the case this year. Um, and, and to Mickey Joseph's credit, that is something that he was able to do during his time as the interim coach where, hey, you know, we're not going to win a ton of games. It's not always going to be pretty, but in the games that are winnable, we are going to come through. Um, were you more impressed with the offense or the defense in that game? Because both sides looked really solid in the first half, dropped off a little in the second, but overall a good performance from both. Yeah, definitely, like you said, good performance from both sides. Um, but I would say the offense because you could argue – to a small extent, the Iowa's offensive struggles were a product of their own ineptitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is an offense that it picked up a little bit over the last month, but it was just ridiculed early in the season. Um, <laughs> By yours truly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Nebraska, Nebraska's defense did pretty well against it. Um, held, held strong for all but two drives. Um, that field goal was a product of an offensive turnover. Mm-hmm. And... Mo- the biggest thing was they forced t- four turnovers, yep, absolutely, um, which hasn't happened I think three seasons. But but yeah, that offense against uh, I mean an Iowa defense that's been pretty elite this mm-hmm. season, um, and it was I mean really spearheaded by Casey and Trey, but um, and a little bit of Marcus Washington sprinkled in. Yeah. But um, also the line play was pretty solid yeah. um, for much of that game. So yeah, I mean after. After the Purdue game, you might have expected an offensive output like that, but after the last month and yeah. some change, definitely it's, not. It's definitely been needed. Um, yeah, I was I was really impressed by the offense. I thought, and they talked about this in the in the post game too as well. Players, the players wanted to keep going. I mean, they wanted to beat Iowa by fifty. Yeah, I thought the play calling got a little bit conservative there at the end. I mean, obviously you want to hold that lead and you want to run the ball, but keep going to what's working. I mean, they could not guard Trey Palmer for anything. You know, like you said, Washington, they couldn't really guard him either. Uh, Casey Thompson was dealing, so I thought they got a little bit conservative there at the end. I don't know if you would agree with that, but um, I, I kind of wanted them to see, kept you know, keep step on the gas and kind of put up an, an even bigger lead. Um, but obviously it was Iowa football. Iowa football is not really putting up 17-plus points in a game very often. Um, and an amazing stat that I saw, Nebraska was the only team other than Ohio State and Michigan, and we know those two teams, the pedigree of those two teams, could both be playoff teams depending on what happens this upcoming weekend. Those were the only two other teams to put 20 points up on Iowa. So this Hawkeyes defensive unit is incredible this season. Um, They won a lot of games that their offense was not good enough to win. Um, And Nebraska was able to put up 24 points on them, which was a really impressive outing. So I love the, the, uh, the production from the offense. On the defensive side, though, hey, they, they took Iowa. They, you know, they beat Iowa at their own game. Uh, and that was that was incredible to see because last year the turnovers, the special teams errors, the you know the block punt, the muff punt, that was something you'd see from Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Go to this year, it was the opposite. Two quick fumbles on you know in the first half. Then there was that muff punt and obviously the game ceiling interception. So the defense stepped up in the turnover game as well as the special teams. Garrett Nelson, what a game for him, forcing the fumble on the. Um, the punt on the muff punt and then um, scooping up full speed, just no stop. He didn't try to go down for that ball. He just scooped it up and kept going. He saw the end zone. Uh, He saw red in the end zone and took it. So I was impressed on both sides of the ball. Nice to get out with a victory. What did you think of the, you know, the Iowa game experience overall? We got to experience it firsthand. A little different than Memorial Stadium, I'd say. 
Yeah, pleasantly surprised. Um, and I'm, I don't mean that to be taken the wrong way <laughs> because, um, I mean, it's a, it's an above-average size, above size stadium. Um, it's no Memorial Stadium or um, the Big House or the Shoe. But, um, yeah, we got there, and um, everything seemed a little bit smaller than what yeah. we're used to. Um, the press box, it was nice and everything. Um, and, like, the stadium didn't quite look even 70,000. Right. Um, but they had that back end zone um, was pretty pretty good size, pretty mm-hmm. loaded, stacked, multiple layers. So, yeah, it was a cool stadium. Um, and I think what really surprised me in, um, is how loud it got. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, part of, I don't know if we were kind of speculating about, like, the thickness of the glass in the press box. But yeah. <laughs> I think you can maybe attest to it better because right. you were down in the field during the game. Is I mean, it was it got pretty... Pretty yeah. hostile in there, Absolutely. especially as they were coming back. I was very and, pleasantly surprised. Yes, yeah, so I was kind of surprised Nebraska was able to fend that off, and and also surprised it was that loud after I was was down twenty four nothing, and everyone stuck around, and yeah, mm-hmm. it was a yeah. it was a cool game. No, I, I mean I, I was impressed. I you know don't often say nice things about Hawkeye fans, but I was impressed that they stuck through that because yeah. it looked really bad for them. I mean they they their team looked really bad through you know the first you know. 40 minutes or so, and they stuck through, and I didn't see a lot of people heading for the gates early. Um, it's definitely an interesting stadium where Memorial has, you know, the straight backwards kind of slanted in the end zone sides, and then they have the stacked multi-level yeah. on the sidelines. Iowa City is a little bit different there where the, you know, the sidelines are straight up and then the end zones are stacked. So I thought that was interesting. I think it's a little smaller of a stadium, so it does mm-hmm. reflect echo a little more. So that may have contributed to the loudness. I think the press box glass was a little thinner, but I was on the field at the end of the game when they were coming back, and, man, it was loud. Yeah. Um, it's hard to compare because, you know, I know you haven't, and I haven't seen a Nebraska team that is contending for a Big Ten championship berth. Um, so I don't know how loud that, that would get. I don't know if you've been to a, a game when they're actually good. Um, definitely comparable opportunities <laughs> in my lifetime. <laughs> definitely comparable to, I'd say, the Michigan game last yeah. year when – Nebraska started to come back against Michigan, and it was kind of like, okay, we're actually going to come back and win this game. Um, so that was comparable. Uh, you know, shout out hockey, Hawkeye fans. It was a great, great environment. You know, no, it's no Memorial Stadium, but definitely a fun time there in Iowa City. Um, anything else you want to step, uh, you know, talk about on that game? I don't think I have too much else to touch on from. No, that. I think you covered it all. It, uh, I mean, it proved to be. Partially a kind of inconsequential game because of the result, right. but um, I mean, sent Nebraska off into a new era. Um, had to feel good for those seniors to spoil. Right. I was senior night. I keep forgetting it was that too, yeah. but um, more notably, their Big Ten championship game odds, not not Big Ten championship odds. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I wrote about in my column is how um, you know there was all that speculation. We'll kind of shift into that of before the kickoff. We finally got some. I'd say our first significant traction yeah. yet after two and a half months. Um, and an ESPN reporter reported that Nebraska was working on a deal with Matt Rule, and there was definitely something there, and it would seem like it was more more likely than not that it would happen. Um, and then the game kicked off, and Nebraska won, and that seemed to be – I mean, you were there for the post game. That seemed to be all the chatter of the yeah. post game presser. I, w- I was a little disappointed about that from the media that all of the talk was about what's next, what's next, what's next. And I, and I know that's kind of the big deal and that, you know, that's what generates the clicks and that's what generates the buzz. But I thought it was, you know, this team, we don't know how many of those guys are going to be here in the future. And so I, I wanted to focus a little bit more 
on that game and, and what was so impressive about that victory. I mean, for a lot of these guys, this was a lot of their first game, first time playing Iowa, and it still seemed like a rivalry game. I know there's a lot of guys that have been here a long time, but, you know, Mickey Joseph, Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, you know, they, t- they, they were all, hey, we want to beat Iowa. You know, they come from the South. They, they, Iowa's just, you know, another, you know, Big Ten program, no less than Nebraska. But they, they embraced the rivalry. Um, they really attacked it. It meant a lot to them, even though it's their first year. And for a lot of them, their last year in Lincoln, um, they still approached the rivalry with that. And that was evident on the field after the game. Yeah. I mean, I was down there for the celebration, grabbing the trophy. You know, it was, it was an awesome scene, and, and it was really – it was crazy to see how a four and eight team could be so excited about winning a game when this it literally meant nothing for the team. It didn't keep Mickey Joseph around. It probably didn't keep a lot of these players around. Didn't get them to a bowl game. But they beat Iowa. They knocked them out at home on their senior night in front of their fans. Shut down their crowd and you know t- kept them from the Big Ten championship game. So it was awesome to see that all kind of come together, sandwiched in between Matt Rule news, which obviously yeah. we're going to get into, but. For those four hours where it was all Iowa, I thought that was really special for the program. Definitely a stepping stone for the new um, regime. Like you can't ignore the success of that game because to ignore that would be would be foolish in my mind. The Mike Riley wasn't really able to do that. Um, Scott Frost certainly was not able to do that, and Mickey Joseph was. So you have to build off that. Whether or not Mickey Joseph and any of the other staff is here, with that, I think we can roll into Matt Rule here. I mean that that came out of nowhere. I, I don't know about you. I did not expect that at all. Yeah. I know. You know, we talked about it and it, we mentioned it. Um, you know, when we were talking about coaches here and there, it was it was one of the names. It was one of the many names that we threw out there. But it really caught me off guard when we were we were standing on the sideline pregame and you look down and oh Matt Rule expected to be the coach in Nebraska. And you're like, that was unexpected. How'd you feel about the news? Yeah. I mean, I I wasn't shocked. I was kind of surprised about the timing, but he was on that short list. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, probably three to five most likely guys throughout the whole search. And uh, yeah, I mean, it. I think after we saw the news, we thought that was probably going to happen. Kind of mm-hmm. we're waiting to see when it would happen. Um, and we're kind of focused on the game. Um, I thought that was most fair to the team. I mean, given they won and whatnot. And um, we were investing in the game. I mean, right. that's, it's the last game of the season. And yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, all in all, pretty, pretty, uh, Successful weekend for Husker Athletics, I yeah. think people would say. Um, at least football, uh, men's basketball, and uh, volleyball had more uh, middling results, um, to say the least. Yeah, but, we'll get uh, in. We'll get into a little with that, but. But yeah, I mean, so, so we get back from Iowa City, uh, get to bed two or three, and then wake up the next morning, and what happens? Yeah, Trev just likes to drop the news on us, and that. That fashion, I guess. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. He was call. ready. <laughs> he was. Re- I'm sure he wanted to drop that right after the game, but I guess yeah. he gave a little bit of. So if that's a loss, right. do you think that comes out right after the game? Uh, man, that's that's a great question, and, and I kind of want to. We got to get into like how this lo- how this win kind of shapes Matt Rule's tenure, but yeah. um, no, I think he still waits for the next day. Like he said at, at Matt, they didn't finalize that deal till Thanksgiving, so that's still a pretty quick turnaround for them you know it got out to the media on friday uh-huh. which you said was from a carolina assistant or something that worked under rule yeah i think that's where that it was stemmed from. where it stemmed from and then announcing it the next day so i don't know i guess that would have to be a, a question for trev but he 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 was very um you know he was very staunch this was going to be a secret process um and he did and he he yeah, made it, it work 
Um, he gave Mickey room to breathe, and he said, Mickey, you do your thing. I'll work in the background. To his credit, he did that, got out a, maybe a day earlier than he wanted to. Um, but compared to, you know, some, you know, what I would expect if there's a big name hire and that's your number one guy, I would expect that to get out earlier. So I was certainly surprised, impressed by Trev's ability to uh, kind of confuse all the media, not just us. They confused mm-hmm. the big boys too. So, yeah, I think rule, rules coming in at an interesting time, but that I want to know what your thoughts are because that game kind of reignited Nebraska fans, right? Yeah. They lose that Iowa game. I don't know if there's a lot of people begging for Mickey to be the head coach or disappointed in Matt Rule. What do you think? Do you think that game shaped people's ideas or were they kind of already thinking that way prior to Rule being announced? You know, I think that camp is pretty small, the people that are genuinely upset that mm-hmm. they hired Matt Rule for Mickey. Um, I think Mickey was probably closer to, and Trev alluded to this, closer to getting the job. Um, maybe not close to getting the job, but he was a realistic candidate the mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was ever in the ideal top three, and maybe if he won, maybe if he won five games or so. What do right. He, he had nine games at the helm. Maybe if he won five, six games, maybe he would have been. Um, and we'll see what happens in the coming days if he um, stays on. It seems like it's kind of leaning towards that, but there's been nothing substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was I was most impressed by, I guess, how. Um, how smooth the operation went for yeah. what's been a pretty dysfunctional program. <laughs> right. Um, even down to the last few months with Scott Frost. Mm, absolutely. Um, I guess just how quiet Trev kept it. Um, I mean, everything from keeping it quiet until, I mean, ideally you wouldn't have wanted that before the game, but it could have been worse times. Um, and then announcing it, rules game day appearance, which seemed orchestrated for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> wake up and I wake up I woke up a little late you know because we got back so late so I woke up about 40 minutes after the announcement and then turn on college game to Hades on there 10 minutes after <laughs> and I'm like still yeah still kind of orienting maybe Kirk Herbstreit got a little bit of a insider tip there for getting getting a rule on the line there because rule rule looked like he was ready for that phone call I mean maybe he's yeah. just ready for anything he's you know pretty put together guy but yeah and then and then down to the press conference I mean that was a spectacle it was incredible um, <laughs> And then, uh, I mean, yeah, him already having made a couple coaching hires, which we'll get into. But, um, I mean, yeah, what did you what did you make of that press conference, I guess? We'll start with the just general setup of it. Yeah, I mean, the whole process for me, I'm super impressed with Trev Alberts and the whole Nebraska athletic staff. You know, for me, I've only known Nebraska under Trev Alberts. Um, but I went back and watched Scott Frost's intro conference, press conference, completely different story. I mean, it's not this whole spectacle. It's not, I mean, granted, it's a different day and the Big Ten has a lot more money and Nebraska may have more money now. Yeah. But it's not this whole spectacle. Even for Scott Frost, you know, golden child come home. It's just Bill Moose and him sitting, you know, with a one of those backgrounds like it was after the Iowa game. Mm-hmm. Um, for Alberts to, I mean, he, the, he's, he's making an entrance. He's saying, this is our guy. Um, we're going to set up, we're going to, you know, give them everything down to the fireworks on the, you know, on the walk up, which me and you both thought was pretty, pretty overkill there. There were like some lights that looked like lightsabers yeah. and those are pretty sweet and, you know, projectors and the band and all, you know, all the fanfare. 
and at the end of the day, it's just Matt Rule sitting in, at a you know up on stage with you know flowers and all that, all that jazz. But at the end of the day, it, it was an impressive spectacle. Impressed at least the fans that were there and the donors that were there, and it you know impressed. I'm assuming most of the media seemed like most of the media afterwards were had nothing but good things to say about Rule and the way he presented himself. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing seemed very staged to me, but I think that was the goal. I think that was definitely. The Scott Frost era was a little bit too lackadaisical. Um, Scott Frost era was a little bit too behind the scenes, you know, doing all this stuff, not really knowing. It seems like Trev Alberts is like, we're going to put Matt Rule in front of you, and he's going to kill it. Yeah. We're not going to hide him from you. We're not going to keep him secluded like Rule you know, alluded to. We're going to put him and his family up on stage with the band, with the fanfare, with the fireworks. Um, we're not hiding anything from you. Super impressed with Trev's leadership through this whole thing. I mean, you got to think, you got to, you got to feel for the guy. He's restructured Scott Frost's contract, restructured Fred Hoiberg's contract, fired Scott Frost, did a coaching search, dealt with a popular interim head coach, mm-hmm. let him have the reins, you know, for the season, worked behind the scenes, and now hired, you know, one of the premier college football coaches, maybe not NFL, but college football coaches, and did it all pretty seamlessly. So impressed with the whole thing. Going to have to wait to see. Wins will make yeah. the difference, though. I mean, if there's no wins, none of that matters. But um, as of now, offseason champions against, one, once again, yeah. Nebraska football, just two days after finishing 4-8. and eight. You know what? I think it'll, I, don't, <laughs> I think it'll get even better. Um, right. I mean, you bring in this new coach in, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hype. Um, by all accounts, the players seem kind of impressed. Yeah. Um, and I think there's going to be some transfer portal polls. Um, so, yeah, I think the hype's going to grow. I don't think we can really judge this hire until no. probably two seasons from now. Um, I mean, we've seen Rule's yeah, first you year. You can't even – if you judge him off his first year at Baylor. You yeah, know. his first year at Baylor and Temple were kind of iffy. He'll have more resources here. I don't think people will be happy with 1-11 and 11 or 2-10 and 10 no. here. But, I mean, if he goes 4-8 and eight again, I mean, that's all right. Um, but, yeah, that second year, I mean, you're kind of better set up to rebuild a team now with, again, the portal mm-hmm. and NIL and – just how streamlined everything is now since he really since he um left for the nfl since rule did um but yeah i mean he, he's set up for success um 9.25 million dollars a year it's a lot of money that is top 10 in college football he said um, he doesn't need the money but he certainly is getting quite a bit of money yeah and he was getting most of it either way yeah with uh from carolina with a buyout so he said he said he wouldn't really be making any more money um if he was playing golf out out in Carolina or said something like that. <laughs> and that is mostly true. I mean, he could have. I think his clause with the Panthers required he seek active employment okay. if he was fired. So he could have been a analyst. He could have been like a part-time analyst, right. made, I don't know, a million dollars or less a year. Um, and it would have taken way less of the burden off Carolina than Nebraska actually did. But yeah, he's he's still being helped handsomely. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Absolutely. it's something Nebraska can point to is that's their investment in him, mm-hmm. and they expect results. They do. Um, they expect results, and that's in the next couple of years. Absolutely, like that's that is going to make everything the difference. If the wins come on the field, it doesn't matter who you are behind the scenes. To be completely honest, it doesn't matter. Scott Frost didn't really have any of the behind the scenes stuff and didn't get the wins, so that was a big no go for Trev Alberts. I'm assuming after that Georgia Southern game. Um, I was I was thinking about I saw Casey Thompson there after um, he was walking up the tunnel from the stadium into mm-hmm. the Hawk Center where the press conference was 
Um, seemed like he was going to check it out, either talk to Rule after. I know he's talked to the team. There's been a couple guys on Twitter posting, you know, pictures of them watching Temple highlights or Baylor highlights, which is all just kind of, you know. Speculation. Yeah, speculation. But it seems like it's not, and I don't want to compare this to Wisconsin's hire, um, you know, hiring Luke Fickle, because Luke Fickle is a guy that, you know, I thought would be good for this job. It seems like a little bit less hostile against Rule after what he did on um, Monday where he impressed most of the people. Um, and I'm assuming he impressed the players. If he had that same kind of demeanor with him um, in front of the players and saying, hey, I came to coach you, you know, not I didn't yeah. I didn't come to bring in all these guys and kick you guys out. I came to coach you, I came to coach this program. Maybe these players are going to be more likely to play for him than just transfer out immediately. Um, there will be some guys that leave. There will be some guys that aren't invited back. Um, as is needed, respectfully for this yeah. program, um, but I think I, you know, I trust him to be able to come in and you know take the pieces of new guys, old guys, and mix them together well. Um, what do you what do you think about going forward in, with his prospects? Yeah, I mean, I was I expected to be impressed by pretty much everything he said. He's a he's a hell of a talker, um, and he's pretty well traveled. So expected him to win the press conference, but I was pretty surprised. Um, in the sense that I felt like we learned a lot more from the press conference than than I expected, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, but yeah, I mean, we we were kind of sold, um, and it's it's likely that you know maybe a lot of this was planned before and kind of the vision they were going to sell. But we were kind of sold on not only Matt Rule's vision of the program, but also what Alberts had in mind when he was making this hire, mm-hmm. um, and he kind of prioritized above all development. Which, right. which you, is something I wanted to see. Which you honed in on in your uh, <laughs> coaching kid in its roundtable. Development, development, um, development, baby. That story. You can still check that out on the uh, DN, DN trending charts. Um, and uh, I don't think either of us picked Matt Rule. Nope. But Noah, one of our other writers did. So kudos to him. Um, but yeah, anyway, I mean, development seems to be a massive focus, um, as does you know, just being a tough team, being strong, kind of Absolutely. reflecting that. I think he said physical a hundred thousand times. Yeah, reflecting that Nebraskan ethos, kind of that uh, Nebraskan cliche. <laughs> Which is exactly what people from Nebraska want to hear. You, yeah. you say that in, you know, USC, that might not fly. They want to see high-flying, Caleb Williams running all over the field. Here in Nebraska, people want to hear, let's get back to physical, you know, smash-mouth football. So you're right, he won the press conference there. Yeah, and he even gives some clues as to, like, the style. You know, he said he's, he's like, we're not going to be – one of those new age spread them out teams. Um, we're going to be kind of old school, pretty straightforward. Um, so I was, I would, I didn't expect to get that much out of mm-hmm. them. Um, so I think, I mean, we kind of looked more into um, his past at Temple and Baylor and the guys he's bringing in. Um, we should mention Marcus Satterfield was um, the university hasn't introduced him yet, but um, it was reported by. Um, another ESPN reporter that he is going to be the offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. um, which is the role he served at South Carolina this season and last. And so we looked at, I looked at his, um, what he's been doing too. And um, I, I guess I'm kind of most surprised by Rule saying that and kind of wanting to fit the Nebraska ethos. And Rule and um, Satterfield in the last couple of seasons have never really played with a dominant running back. Right which I thought was interesting. It's more so been, yes, they've had pretty good offensive lines. They've played pretty, you know, disciplined, balanced football. Um, but it's more so they've had good quarterback play, Yeah. Um, which has kind of been the theme for Nebraska the last couple of seasons. 
I mean, say what you want about Adrian Martinez. He was a talented guy. Um, Casey's been pretty good, but um, I think Nebraska fans can get behind that um, as long as, you know, they, as long as, you know, the main thing is they're winning and um, everything looks good and is running smooth. Yeah, but, I don't think it has to be back to 1998. Definitely. That's, yeah. If, as long as they're winning games, it doesn't really matter. But it was a good thing to say for him to get up in there and say, basically saying the last five years, Nebraska has been a soft team, not tough, not good at the line of scrimmage, not good in the run game, and we need to fix that. And that's what I think people have wanted to hear out of a coach. Um, Scott Frost really hasn't said that very often um, when he was in front of the, you know, the media and the fans. And so I think for Rule to come in there and say that, even if it doesn't pan out that way, I don't know. I, don't th- I haven't thought of watching him at Baylor. I didn't think of Baylor as a smash mouth you know, run the football team like, you know, Illinois or Minnesota. So I don't think he no. really has the no. ability to say, yeah, we're going to be like that. But I don't think that's what Nebraska needs necessarily. Um, that's good for, you know, a couple wins in the Big Ten West. But beyond that, mm-hmm. you do need a good quarterback play, and, and he did highlight that. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting because there's a lot of showmanship. He says the right things. He you know, does the right things, family guy involved in the community, says he's going to rip the suit off, get out to work, get yeah. off, you know, tweets out that he's in the stadium at five in the morning this morning. So he's doing all the right steps now, um, but he's got to bring in the right guys as well. You know, it's not going to be all on him. Got to bring in the right players, convince the right players on this current roster um, to stay and basically do the opposite of everything Scott Frost did as a, you know, as a head coach. Scott Frost might be good at, you know, play, call, play calling or, understanding the game, but didn't do the little things right, didn't do the details, wasn't a leader of men in the locker room. So that's what Rule needs to do. And then if he wants to leave up, you know, he doesn't play call. He's not the biggest recruiter ever, so he can leave that stuff up to other guys. Going to be interesting how he puts the staff together. Still waiting on defensive coordinator, still waiting to hear on Mickey, and I know Bill Bush hasn't been, you know, released yet, so still interested to see on those guys. Mm -hmm. Um, He has been bringing a lot of his own guys in, which – I wouldn't say I didn't not expect. Um, it is an interesting development. Yeah. It's not necessarily all his guys from the Panthers. They're kind of all over the ethos right now, which could be a good sign that they're with him, went to other places, want to come back. The only thing I am concerned about is Panthers fans are glad that he's here, and South Carolina fans, look looking into it, they didn't really seem to love their offensive coordinator in the two years until the last two games, which mm-hmm. the Tennessee and South Carolina wins may speak for them, or uh, Clemson wins might speak for themselves. doesn't seem like they're sad necessarily about Satterfield leaving. What are your thoughts on that? I know you're not super sold on Satterfield just yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty mixed on it, um, but it's it's one of Rule's guys um, who was with him at Baylor and I think at Temple too. And, yeah, I mean, this would have been probably a move Nebraska would have been ridiculed for a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say it's a pretty big-name coordinator hire. Right. Um, this is a guy I was loosely familiar with before, and, I mean, he's – if you just took that two-game sample size, he's probably the oh, hottest absolutely. candidate in the country. And he is um, going from a lateral job from SEC to Big Ten, which yeah, yeah. And it is South Carolina, but still SEC to Big Ten. So it's interesting that he does that. It's comparable conference, SEC probably a little bit better. Um, South Carolina's in a better place right now. Absolutely. Nebraska, bigger brand, maybe higher upside. Um, and I guess just his, um, his relationship with Rural mm-hmm. won out and – um, so that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked. He's they've kind of been more pass heavy, mm-hmm. um, not not totally, but 
they've been like a balanced leaning pass heavy team, um, which rule also was at Baylor. So that'll be something else interesting to monitor. And I think the last um, thing I was pretty, last thing I made note of for sure from that uh, press conference was he talked more about recruiting than I thought. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a gray area for coaches. He didn't he didn't do anything he wasn't supposed to, but um, definitely definitely got more into the weeds than I thought. Um, <laughs> he mentioned, you know, he wants to do stuff in state. He mentioned specific pipeline states he wants to hit with the connections he's made. Um, he mentioned the kind of recruits he wants to look for, um, which is just kind of, you know, long, fast athletes that need development maybe. Um, and, yeah, so – That'll be interesting, um, especially as we'll we'll probably see some commitments in the next couple of yeah. days. Um, but yeah, yeah. The big the big reason why I wanted to see development is because even under Frost, Nebraska has not had a huge issue recruiting. Mm-hmm. Um, this past year was the only year where they didn't have a great um, recruiting class, but they had a great transfer class. Um, so they've had you know top twenty five talent on this team the entire time that Scott Frost was there. Never developed it. Um, so I'd much rather see a guy that can take maybe even less recruitment. Um, I know Baylor doesn't recruit as well as Scott Frost, at least to my knowledge. You know, Baylor's not exactly a huge recruiting, you know, central in the Big 12. But if he can take similar recruiting, even a little less, and develop it, you know, five times more, which I trust him to do compared to Scott Frost, yeah. um, you know, they, they could be in for a lot of success here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm impressed by the hire. Wasn't, you know, my first choice at the beginning. Um you know, watching, I'm a huge NFL guy, watching Matt Rule the last couple of years. You know, I have a Panthers fan, a Panthers friend who's a Panthers fan. You know, you always, you know, tease him about Matt Rule, finally got fired. But I didn't really, you know, dug into him, hadn't looked into him. Thought he was great at Baylor and at Temple. So if he's able to do that here at Nebraska, then, you know, sky's the limit. Um, but the, the time will come, like he said, get to work tomorrow, get to work in the spring. And that's what he's going to do. We'll see uh, – come next fall where uh how that offseason paid off anything else you got want to talk to hit on about rule yeah i mean we'll we'll really gauge it and i'd say 2024 that'll be his second year and when usc and ucla i think are set to join so yikes we'll see then um i guess the last thing i wanted to hit on football wise is what did you make of the other big big 10 west hire Mm -hmm. um that kind of came to me i mean that's this that was might, honestly more of a surprise than the rule thing. Yeah, this this might be like an outlandish claim, but that's like the single most thing in single most surprising thing I've seen in sports in like the last week. Yeah, that, I, I just, mean, yeah, I don't I don't know where because he he didn't want the Notre Dame job last year, um, and maybe that was because did he not want it or was Marcus Freeman always there top candidate? I I maybe maybe I'm not one hundred percent on this either, but. I, w- I was under the impression that they reached out to him and he didn't want it, so then they went with Freeman. That may not be the case. Maybe Freeman was always their guy. Freeman's had a good year. But for me, it w- it, for it, it seemed like to me that Fickle was going to stick at Cincinnati until Ohio State was open. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like like this weekend more than I ever. I know, right? It's maybe a, like closer to being open you than You could it has see been. where if Ryan Day and loses the next two years to Michigan yeah. and is one in five against Michigan that they're like, okay, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Fickle, you're, you know, you've been here. You're in our backyard. You're literally, you know, a drive away. Come on in. For him to go to Wisconsin is interesting. And and that brings me to where was I really want to know what the communication was between Fickle and uh, Trev Alberts. Yeah, Trev Albert says uh, Rule with his number one guy the whole time. So it's certainly possible that he talked to Fickle and still chose Rule. 
I think a lot of people would have thought it may have been switched. That was certainly my thinking as fickle is the harder guy to get, you know, rules not, but yeah. kind of looking more into the national, it seems like people are surprised that rule went to Nebraska too. So like they think that, Oh, he's, you know, that's not, he could do better as a job. So definitely interesting. I I'm the most surprised about how, how many people are really upset about Jim Leonard not getting the job. Yeah. Now I know he's a Wisconsin guy. I know he's, you know, a young, passionate guy. They were not incredible with him. I, I get it. They they won some games. Uh, they beat Purdue, which was a big win. But outside of that Purdue win, there was wasn't like a huge dynamic, like a dominant, like hey, we no. this is our guy. Um, he doesn't have nearly the same amount of you know past success that Fickle does. I think Fickle's a great hire for them. Um, I'm excited. I mean, the Big Ten's got some great coaches, especially with Lincoln Riley, Chip Kelly joining the ranks here pretty soon. So, yeah, I don't. What were you? What do you? What do you think about this whole Jim Leonard versus Luke Fickle thing and kind of the the hostile environment that Luke Fickle's going into here with even current players on the roster saying they wanted, you know, they're upset with the hire. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's fair for like, you know, players to be upset for Leonard to be you know, taken aback if it really was such a big surprise, which um, maybe it was. But I think this is – if he wants to go there, that's a hire you have to make. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. It, I'm I'm curious as to if Trev really did seriously consider him because mm-hmm. you would maybe think that's more of the surefire higher than Fickle or than Rule. Yeah. Uh, maybe Rule's a higher ceiling. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. It almost kind of overshadowed the – Real news to some extent, and um, yeah, I mean, I'll be paying close attention the next five years or so, and they're going to be compared to each measuring other. measuring against each other like everyone else. Yeah, I mean, if one of them wins the first three matchups, then it's like maybe made the wrong maybe made the wrong call there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a great hire for them. Um, definitely good for the program. I mean, he brought Cincinnati. People don't talk about this. He brought Cincinnati yeah. to the college football playoff. Yeah. It, Six years ago, TCU didn't even have a big enough brand name to get to the college football playoff. Um, and he brought Cincinnati, an AAC team, to the college football playoff. So incredible job that he's done. He's a program builder as well. Um, Rule's done it at a higher level, so maybe that's where Trev was going with that. Um, I'd love to know who the 13 guys. We'll never know, but I'd love to know. Eh, maybe in a 30 for 30 in 30 years, but <laughs> I'd love to know who the guys that Trev talked to, the 13 guys that he said he talked to, because... There's more than 13 that we were looking at, so some of those guys mm-hmm. never got a chance, I suppose. Um, anything else rule-related? No. Um, we got a little bit of time here left. Um, talk about men's basketball, a little bit of volleyball. Not a great weekend for basketball, but they did get a win over an ACC team. Mm-hmm. Granted, a 1-6 and six ACC team. but a Brand name, though. Brand name. A uh, team that's made the tournament in many years uh, over the past decade, so... Um, step in the right direction for Nebraska basketball, Fred Hoiberg? It's got to be a confidence booster, you know. Um, I mean, I, I would have – if I was Nebraska basketball going into that game, um, I would have taken any form of win over Florida State. Mm-hmm. It's a Power 5 win. I think Florida State will bounce back a little bit through the course of the year. I don't think they're a tournament team. I don't think they're horrible, though. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's trending in the right direction for Nebraska – um, they lost those games to Oklahoma and Memphis, mm-hmm. which were kind of competitive, kind of not. And those are two, like, bubble-ish teams. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but but I would I would feel confident saying that this season has started better for Nebraska than last year did. 
Um, I would, I would agree. Was, yeah, especially when that team was more ballyhooed. Um, but yeah, they got a big one tomorrow night. Um, and I think this podcast will be out by then. But uh, Boston College, another yeah. ACC team that they back to back ACC wins would be massive. Yeah, for the and they're they'll be a slight favorite. Nebraska will so be interesting. Um, but yeah, we've kind of we've kind of buried the lead here of the biggest story of Nebraska ball in the last week or so. Um, and uh, I'll let you take that since you yeah, covered the game. Derek Walker. I mean, he his presence just takes this whole team to a whole nother level. Um, I, you know, I was impressed with Blaze, the way that he played in Walker's absence. I thought he's a powerful guy that can make some really big splash plays. But Walker's finesse under the under the rim is incredible. Um, obviously, I we didn't get to watch the Memphis game because we were at um, Iowa, but against Florida State, I mean. They could not stop him. He he dominated Florida, and he's not the biggest guy. Like the, he was being guarded by a guy who's much stronger, much taller than him. Didn't matter. He he was a force in the paint. So his his level makes opportunities for the rest of the team, which I think is really exciting going forward. If you're Nebraska, um, a couple other guys were able to finally heat up, and it seemed like more of a balanced effort. Um, still don't move the ball very well. Still turn the ball over quite a lot. Um, the three is still an issue so far, yeah. Um, but definitely a step in the right direction. You don't have a five-star on this team, and it at least looks the same as last year. Um, you don't have a one playmaker on this team, but it at least looks the same, if not better. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they play against Boston College in their first like big home game um, coming up here. So Hoiberg's got the chance to turn this program around. Big Ten's looking a little better than I expected, I think. Purdue looked yeah. great this week, so that, that'll be a tough one coming up here in a couple weeks. Um, any other thoughts about, you know, Walker, how the, how he impacts the team, um, any of those guys? No, yeah, I mean, just kind of glad to glad to see him back in action for them. He didn't uh, clarify any further at the media availabilities today, just that it was health care reasons. Yeah, That's why he's out. Um, so I guess, we'll, I guess we'll respect his privacy. I guess so. Um, be interesting to see if you know if he really lifts the ceiling of this team mm-hmm. um, into you know close to a 500 team, which I I think they can be. I think they can be close to 500. Um, skeptical of that until I mean, still skeptical of that, but I right. think it's possible. And uh, so we'll see because the schedule really ramps up from here. Absolutely, so. it gets tough. Creighton's coming up here, Purdue. Yeah, um, I'll be uh, I'll be going to that one in Omaha. Yeah. I'm I mean I'm excited to see was the number seven team in the yeah, nation in action good team. and see if Nebraska can stay within 15. Yeah, it was competitive last year, but yeah. I think Creighton's even better and this year. And it was year, supposed so. to be, but, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting because the, the rebounding is definitely better this year already mm-hmm. with the addition of Juwan Gary. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how him and Walker kind of play off of each other. Walker really didn't have anybody else on the team that could rebound last year. Um, Breidenbach went down early. Um so having Gary there, obviously there were some big, big time dunks from Gary that were um, kind of he he seems more of like the brute strength guy and Walker's kind of the finesse guy in the paint. So kind of yeah. interesting to see how that that changes the things this year. But still, like you said, a tough road ahead. Lastly, volleyball, not too much to touch on. It's it's been a tough week for the team. Yeah, tough, tough weekend. I guess. Really bad weekend. Um, you'd never want to lose to two of your arguably biggest rivals in the same weekend and win one one set in between them. So um, not the way you want to enter the tournament. 
but they're in the tournament. They're a two seed, so. And they're in better position than they were last year entering the tournaments yeah. when they came within, what, four points of winning the yeah. national title. They made that fifth set of title game. Um, so, yeah, they're in better shape. They're what they're a two seed. Um, the NCAA changed its seeding because last year they were the 10th overall seed. This year they'd probably be something, sixth or seventh yeah. or something. So they would have been a three seed mm-hmm. last year. So And they weren't. I mean, it, I forget this team started the season number one preseason. Yeah. And we're number one, what, a month ago? That yeah. recently? Wisconsin um, kind of maybe brought him down a notch. Yeah. Obviously not having Kenzie Knuckles hurts, but. Yeah, that'll be that'll be tough. Um, especially just having the experience. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think until, like, the last two games, you could have probably painted this season, you know, as being, hey, they haven't been number one, but they've been top five. Um, definitely concerning after this weekend, losing six to one combined to Wisconsin, Minnesota. The Minnesota one was the one that Wisconsin's yeah. always had Nebraska's number, but Minnesota to sweep them on senior night. That was, and that, they, yeah. And they were all right against Wisconsin. So maybe they, you know, just put all their energy into that mm-hmm. one and then didn't have anything left for the Gophers. They did lose um, by two points every, every set. So yeah. It's not that huge of a loss, I guess, but gotta still. Got to win the close ones. Got to win them. Got to ask our buddy Scott. I don't know if you've looked at the tournament, but they cannot meet Wisconsin in the national championship if they get that far. So it'll be a – good for them. <laughs> well, it'll be a final four matchup. So mm-hmm. um, the path to the national championship goes through Wisconsin. They are going to have to slay Dragon if they want to re- repeat to at least reach the national championship yeah. next year uh, or at, like they did last year. Um, that's about all I got. Anything else you got for us? No, I mean, that's, that's, uh, I don't think they'll really be tested until the lead eight. I, I don't think we could be shocked if they get picked off before then. Um, I can expect them to get there and play Louisville, who's the one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll see from there, but, um, we'll definitely have some coverage on that in the coming yeah, weeks. Absolutely. And yeah, don't really have the underdog spirit like they did last year, but. Yeah, you know, it's it's possible they can make a run here. They have here. the talent. They have the talent and mostly the experience. And the coach. And the coach, definitely. That will just about wrap it up for us here. It's been a busy week in Nebraska sports and more to come. Um, football season's over. This will be our last pod covering a game until the spring game, of course. No bowl game for Nebraska. Um, but it definitely was an uh, uh, enticing season. Not a great season, but there were a lot of storylines, a lot to be discussed. So we've enjoyed that, but now it is full-on winter sports time and NCAA tournament for volleyball time, um, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of Matt Rule news throughout the offseason to discuss. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.